once you get there and you're working on these high profile things, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. And it's not so much about the celebrities and stuff. And don't worry, this won't turn into like, you know, what was it like to beat Obama and all that stuff. But I do, I do want to know, though, you know, what does it look like when you're on set? You know, maybe like that portrait of Obama or you're working on a big thing for like, you know, Vanity Fair, like you mentioned, Variety. I know they're all different and they'll have their own unique variables and stuff, but give me some insight as to what that kind of looks like. How does the preparation go? All that, And then when they get there, that sort of thing. It is funny how when you look at the work of any photographer, you you can't help but kind of like build your own backstory of like how the shoot went, like what, well, you know, they walked in the room and what was the conversation about the direction and about what images might happen. I mean, even I do it. Like I look at, you know, some work of my peers and, and then I think, you know, this is not how it happens. Like in reality, the, it's, it's, it's a much more kind of, I don't want to say messy, but it's, it's kind of, it's more organic than it kind of seems that, you know, in the end, you kind of tie, you, you get this tidy shot with a little bow tied on it and, it and it really feels finished and it feels like it's making like a little story and a statement and it's kind of like dynamic and inviting and, and you're like, you know, they collaborated and they worked to this moment and it's fantastic. <laughs> but in reality, that's kind of not how it happens. And it's kind of one of the great things about photography is that it's, it's one frame from hundreds, maybe even thousands you shoot that day. And, you know, photography is a lie. And, you know, you tell the story of like this fantastic collaboration where this sort of uh, portrait of essence is made. And in reality, it's, you know, you kind of in your basement office, you know, going through the images and being like, this one looks pretty good. Let me do a little Photoshop on it and like give it a little bit of contrast, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, uh, but I'm going to backtrack a bit and try to answer your question more fully. Yeah. The fact is when I have a high stakes shoot where I'm really driving it, meaning like either a personal project or editorial, then I'm going in with like literally at least a dozen ideas. And then I'm open to new things on set. So it really is a constantly moving kind of organic thing. And that sounds frightening and it is frightening, you know, but the fact is, is that you learn over time that the best images are going to come from a combination of being very well prepared and being very open on the day of, because you need a plan because, you know, the subject and their people are going to walk in and look at you and be like, you know, okay, what are we doing today? You know, I mean, they might know a little bit ahead of time, but they're still going to be kind of like, all right, what's up? And you need to have answers, you know, and you need to have answers that aren't, you know, they aren't boring, but also aren't totally stupid and ridiculous. Like you need to have, like, you need to kind of parse that really carefully. You know, like, for example, I always have a whole mix of ideas that I want to try to execute on on any given day, but I'm not going to do the weirdest shot first, just because I don't want to spook my subject and their people. Like it's just a human nature thing where I'm going to do a more conservative, discernible shot first. I mean, that it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes it's practicalities that make the kind of otter surreal image or whatever, the one you have to kind of do first. And then you kind of walk them through it and explain it and try to make it feel, you know, okay. So they'll join you on that journey. 
but it really is a thing where you are the captain and you need to like steer this steer this thing into dock and end up with a great adventure where you have you know really like some great images because in the end you're really trying to come out with you know one to three great photos that's it that that's my goal on any given shoot is one to three great images and nothing else matters really i mean you know i'm not gonna be unethical or lie to anyone or anything but really like everything else is kind of just in there to support that simple narrative i know that it's important for our photographer to know the greats right to stand on the shoulders of giants and and recognize you know the the best work that's out there and and these sort of like you know visual motifs and, and stuff like that and over the years i've tried to build that knowledge and then apply that when i get to the set and Yesterday is a perfect example. I had all these ideas for all these things I wanted to try. The subject shows up. All of a sudden, it's out the window. I forgot everything, and I'm in the moment. I don't know if that's like a good thing or a bad thing, but in your own workflow, do you try and emulate other people and then put your own spin on it? And, and where do you kind of find the line with all that? Regarding influences, I think when you're young and starting out, kind of like exploring the world of of photography and who came before you, especially in the areas where you're really um, drawn. I think that having a base level knowledge of you know who came before you, I think is great. If you do it right, you're gonna do one or two things really well. You're, you're not trying to like build on the history of photography and take it to the next level. That's, that, is a, that is a mountain that is, cannot be climbed by anyone. Yeah. You, you know, you're, if anything, you're going to be in a very, very narrow lane and you're going to take that lane to a new place. So I'd say focus on the people who really speak to you in whatever genre you're interested in and like really try to parse like what is it that they're doing that you so connect to and then bring that to your work. And if you can even try to do a specific homage to a specific image of theirs that really feels like it's the kernel of what you're drawn to about them. Because in doing that, it's going to force you to have to figure out like, okay, how they like this, what they do in terms of like styling, what they, you know, how, you know, what was intrinsically coming from the subject that I need to kind of find in my subjects. Like, so I think that in doing an homage to someone or a specific image that truly is great, it forces you to kind of really break it down. And even when you do break it down and execute it, you'll probably fail miserably and you'll learn so much from that because you'll see that that's how you really see the additional elements that are going on that you were feeling, but not really being able to articulate yet. Yeah. I remember early on, you know, talking to my, my professor and mentor in college and I was a big fan of this music photographer, Anton Corbin. And I was like, oh, I want to, you know, I love his work, but I don't want to be, I want to be my own self. I want my own voice. And he was said, don't worry about it. You know, imitate him. Try to do Anton Corbin pictures and, you know, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll transition into your, your own voice over time. I, I'm not concerned, you know, and I really trusted him. He really knew what he was doing. And he was like, do this. You will learn so much. And it was great advice. And what's funny is, I mean, it's a sort of a side story, but I ended up uh, meeting Corbin, 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 Corbin um, in, uh, shortly after I left college and interviewing and photographing him with a, a, a colleague friend. And when we photographed him, he moved, a, he moved himself into this sort of boring flat lighting 
which we're kind of like, he's like, oh, the light's really nice over here. And we're like, that light's really lame and like there's nothing going on. And then when we processed the film, it looked like one of his photographs. Oh, it was so like, cool. Oh, man. Like, it was <laughs> like, it's like he inadvertently taught us a lesson, you know? That's fantastic. Or, or maybe it was purposeful. I don't know. But anyways, the other thing you brought up is about being super prepared and then getting on set and all that going out the window. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, just when you're on set, there's so much to do and there's so many distractions. You know, it's one of the reasons why I do so much preparation ahead of time. And I have really detailed notes. In fact, I'll do usually like five or six pages of single space notes on a notepad. Here we go again, behind the scenes. Just something wow. like this, where I'll just write out all my ideas. This is just my list of things to do today, but I'll just write out <laughs> all my ideas for a shoot for pages and pages and pages. And then I'll narrow it down and put it in a notebook. And then the notebook I'll have on set and I'll just have the, have the notebook open you know, um, next to me and because I get distracted and stressed and, you know, dealing with the subject and their people and my assistants and lighting and all these things I have to deal with, you know, time is passing and, uh, you know, it, it can get very stressful and, and distracting on set. I have that notebook to refer back to and I'll often have like my notes and sub notes and little check marks beside things that are important. Um, I try to always build in like special shots that are just for me that, you know, because obviously I'm always very you know, kind of client focused, you know, that's what front of mind on set all the time. But I try to always kind of get a shot in there for me too, because that might be the one that like is the epic, you know, one that stands the test of time. So I want to get that one in there too. And I think it's yeah. in my client interest to do that as well. One of the things you learn early on is that you, you do a shoot and you come back and you look at the images and you automatically try to find the image that most closely aligns with what, with what your goals were. But over time, you realize this is not the way to, to do selects. The way to do it is to go through and find the best images from the shoot. Even the ones that were, quote, accidents, or even the ones that were someone else's idea. You know, uh, even the ones that are like a failed version of what you're trying to do. Because, you know, you know when you go back to a shoot years later and you, you go through it and you're like, there's this amazing shot in here. Why did I not recognize this, you know, at the time? And of course, the, time. the reason the reason why is you have those blinders on of like, because you're you're trying to save your ego. Yeah. You go through your session and you're like, okay, did I fail? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that's all you're like, please tell me I got something. And by something, you mean something that aligns with what I was trying to do. Yes. You know, am I a failure or am I or do I know what I'm doing? But you you have to do your best to try to let the images come forward that are like accidental successes or whatever, you know, or, or just, just the best images of the day, even if they kind of feel like failures at the moment, because those are going to be the ones that actually sell you going forward. And because the fact is, is that, you know, you're the one behind the camera, it's your shoot. However the shot comes about, that's your picture, right? And mm-hmm. so um, it's, uh, it's really difficult to do, but y- if, you can, if you can do that, then, then, you'll, then you'll, in a way, like then you learn to do that on set too, because something happens and you're like, well, wait a second, this is way better than, than what I was trying to do. Like I'll do stuff where I'll set, I'll set up all these lights and we'll kind of like work on the lighting, you know, before the subject gets there for like an hour and a half and we'll get it to a really good spot. And the subject comes and you're shooting and you're like, you know, whatever, 15 minutes in 
and you realize the natural light shifted. So the light on them, the natural light is really beautiful. So do you keep shooting with the strobes you set up and like worked out like a fine lighting with, or do you turn them off and shoot available light? Yeah. And, and you know, like I've, I've gone both ways. Like it depends on what my, you know, my client needs are, or, um, you know, or, or, you know, how dark it actually is. Like sometimes it's just too dark to actually execute. Uh, it might be gorgeous, but you know, I don't have the, the ASA to do it. Right. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you parse it out at the moment, but it, it's sort of one of those, you know, you hit uh, a fork in the road and you have to decide. I think you do best when you choose the best path forward and then commit to it. Uh -huh. Even if you change the, even if you change your direction partway through.